Um, y'all can remain seated. Um, go ahead and grab your Bibles. Turn with me to John chapter number 6. John chapter number 6. Um, that's in your New Testament if you're not familiar with your Bible. Uh, so if you look inside your table of contents at the very beginning, uh, you'll see two sections of your Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament there. So uh, John is found in your New Testament, and it goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then the book of John. So the book of John chapter number 6. Um, if you don't have your Bible with you, we're going to put it up on the screen here, so you'll uh, be able to follow along as well. Um, one, th- one thing that's kind of interesting, and, and I've, I've said this, and I don't want it to look like we don't know what we're doing, like we don't have a plan, but we don't really do a lot of like, okay, what's the message going to be this week? Let's sing songs and do certain songs based on the message. And part of that is because uh, I, every single week it may be like, like, Katie knows this, like yesterday, like still working on the message. So um, some, some of that has to be planned out a little bit farther. Um, but, but there has been over the past several weeks how the worship kind of goes with the message. And really what's kind of interesting, and those that, have, that regularly attend here, it seems like that first part of that message is what God's been dealing with us for the past several weeks about being, being real and being open and not wearing masks and being who we are. You know what I mean? Like, it, you know, I'm on this stage, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, but it looks like, you know, really on the inside, this is what's going on. And we're really getting a lot of help out here because you guess what? We're going to take, take off the mask. And we're, we're going to say, hey, we got problems, we got issues, we're going to be honest, all right? But then what's interesting is what we're going to talk about today is it talks about that, hey, you know where I am, God, and you know what's going on, and, and, and you may do some really cool things, but even if you don't, you're still worthy of my praise. And so this is really cool how God is just orchestrating every single part of where we've been for the past couple weeks and then where we are today. So I don't want you to miss that. I don't want you to miss that, that, that God is in the midst of working in our lives and he can work in our lives from the word, from the song, from the fellowship, the conversations, whatever it may be. God is working all the time. He wants to work in our lives. And so we just gotta, we sometimes just got to open our eyes and see it and then allow him to work. Can I get an amen? All right, so let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for today. Uh, thank you so much for what you're doing, how you're moving, what you're doing. Um, Lord God, it's amazing to me. It is amazing to me. And Lord God, it shouldn't be amazing to me because honestly, Lord God, I see you working all the time. But Lord God, it never, it, you never cease to amaze me and Lord, that you're, you continue your work. And you continue to work in hearts and in minds, Lord God, and you change us from the inside out. And so Lord God, as, as we come today, Lord, I pray that that's our desire Lord God, not that we would just come and, 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 and leave the same way we came in, but Lord, that we would take this moment for you to change something in our life. Lord God, I want to be more like your son Jesus, but the only way that's going to happen is if you change something in me. And so Lord God, let life change happen today. We're going to praise your name for everything you're going to do, Lord, for what you've already done. We, do, we pray all these things in your wonderful name, that greatest name of all, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're in a series. We're in a series, okay? And some of you are already getting weirded out because like, oh my gosh, look how many verses we're going to talk about today. All right? Thanks for, thanks for scaring them early, Jonathan. I appreciate that. All right? So we're in a series called, Who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus? Say it with me. One, two, three. Who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus? And so we're taking um, from basically from Christmas to Easter, we're going to kind of walk through different gospel accounts, and we're going to look at, okay, who is this Jesus? We, we, we talk about Jesus, we, we throw around the name Jesus, but do we truly know who we're talking about? Do we truly know who this is? And, and in some ways, some of the things we've been talking about are very familiar passages, but sometimes we get so familiar with the passage that we forget about like the, the, the gravity and the weight of what is it saying about who Jesus is. 
Like, this is really a big deal. So who is this Jesus? And so today's, today's um, statement, we kind of, every single title is going to be like a he is. The, the title is, he is the bread of life. Say it with me, he is the? He's the bread of life. He is the bread of life. Now, some of you are like, if you're new to church or whatever, like, that sounds kind of weird. Like, he is the bread of life. What does that mean? All right? So now, I know they put up there the John 6, 1 through 69. We are going to go through 69 verses. All right? Now, let me help you with this real quick. I'm not going to preach 69 verses. All right? Because some of you are like, okay, do we have enough time? You know, lunch starts at 12. All right, I get it. Okay? But look, um, we're going to go through, through all of these 69 verses because, and it's going to be a very familiar passage of Scripture, but we need to understand the importance of what Jesus is saying. So here we go. Uh, John uh, chapter 6. John chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 1. If you're there, say, I'm there. Here we go. It says, After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him, because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. Okay, a couple weeks ago we talked about how he healed the palsy, but he was doing all these different miracles, healing people. And so when you start healing people, you start gathering a crowd, right? And so there's a multitude that are gathering. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh, or it was near. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company company coming to him, he saith unto Philip, who is one of his disciples, one of the twelve uh, apostles, okay, whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And so he talks to Philip and says, look, hey, where can we find enough bread to feed all these people? Uh, and the reason why he asked Philip is because he lived close to there. He's, he's from Bethsaida. And so I guess he was like, hey, you live close. Where can we get this much, much bread? But notice in verse 6, and this he said to prove him or to test him, for he himself knew what he would do, Okay. Because here's Philip's answer in verse 7. Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. Okay, so basically what he said is like, look, if we had, if we had and, and different commentaries say different things, then the most extreme way, it's basically saying 200 days wage in order to buy enough bread is not sufficient for them. And even if that was enough, everybody would have to take just a little bit like a pinch to be able to feed all these People. And so, so Jesus presents Philip with a, hey, hey, w- where can we buy bread? And Philip says, okay, here's how we're going to do this in our human effort, in our human power. Like, here's what we would do is that we, even if we had 200 days ways to be able to buy enough bread, it would only be enough to give a little. And I think here's the deal, too, what Philip was saying, we don't have that money, <laughs> Okay, we don't have that kind of money, Jesus. So we don't have that kind of money. Even if we had that kind of money, this is this. It, it would not be enough to even satisfy anyone. Now, in verse eight, said one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith to him, "There is a lad here, okay, which has five barley loaves and two small fish, fishes, and what are they among so many?" Okay, so Philip says, "Look, look, we got to have a bunch of money." to go get the, the stuff. And then a- Andrew says, hey, there's this, there's this, there's this kid over here that, that, that packed him a lunch. He's the only one that came prepared, okay? All right, he packed him a lunch. He's got five barley loaves and two fish. So that's all we got. And so, but really what he's got, what, what can we do with this among so many? So both, both Philip and Andrew are basically telling Jesus, let me, let me help you understand. These people aren't eating today. That's what he's saying. These people are not going to eat today. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough food. These people are not going to eat today. In verse 10, And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. 
Now there was much grass in the place so that the men sat down and in number about, what, how many? 5,000. Now this is the first time we ever see a number, okay? So now we see the weight of, okay, this is, this is when they were saying, like, even if we had all the money and even if we, even when there's a little at lunch, this is impossible. And really from the standpoint of commentary, it'd be like, okay, they're just numbering the men. So if you had the women and the children that were probably there, you could be at 15,000, 20,000 people. So obviously we see that this is an impossible situation. They're in no way, shape, or form are they going to have enough money to feed everybody, and they're in no way, shape, or form going to get enough out of that little lad's lunch. But notice what happened in verse 11. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. All right, so Jesus takes this little lad's lunch. There's five barley loaves and two fishes, and he, and he blesses it. He breaks it. Here we go. And he, he gives the disciples and says, give it on out. Verse 12, and when, when, when they were what? Filled. Okay, when they were what? Filled. He said unto the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm already kind of going, wait a second. What happened here, like, what, like, like Andrew, Andrew said it wasn't going to be enough, Philip said it wasn't going to be enough, but for whatever reason, when Jesus puts it in his hands, now they're full, and then he, now he's, he's even going, like, it's almost like Jesus is getting a little greedy now, right? Okay? Like, it's one thing to fill everybody up, Jesus, but now you want us to go gather the fragments that remain? Therefore, they gathered them together and filled how many? Twelve, okay, come on, and they filled how many? Twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Okay, so even if there were some people that still didn't have enough, they, this is the very, like, once everybody was done eating, this is what was left off. Now, some commentators will say the reason why he got 12 baskets is so that every single one of his apostles, his disciples, he could look at them and say, look, I took care of you, I took care of you, I took care of you. It may have been, some people say, well, maybe they gave it to the lad. Like, you, you, you brought a little lunch, and you're taking a, ba- a bunch home with you. I don't know. But something changed, something changed when they put it in Jesus' hand. Now, notice what's interesting about this is that really that, that we notice where, okay, Jesus says, okay, we need food. We need to be able to feed these guys. And so in this situation, it went from the lad's hands. Probably, I would guess, I don't know if the lad would take it directly to Jesus, even though he could, but I could very much see that it go from the lad's hands to the disciples' hands into Jesus' hands. And then from Jesus' hands in the disciples' hand to the people. And then from the people goes back into the disciples' hands. Now here's what's really interesting about it. Who's the hinge? No, who's the hinge? Jesus is the hinge. Okay? Because what, what, what they had was very little. They put it in Jesus' hand and then they have enough. Jesus is the hinge. Now here's what's really interesting about this. Is that the, what Jesus, Jesus had something. Okay? He was provided something so that he could use that to do something else. Here's what's really interesting. Guess what? Everybody wants to throw off on, on the disciples. And, and, and let's look at, the, look at the lad a little bit. The lad was willing to give something up. Does that make sense? If we don't give... He had something, to, he had something that Jesus could use, so Jesus, what? Used it. Okay? But if we give nothing to Jesus, he has nothing to use. Does that make sense? And here's what happened is because, now now let me say this, verse 14, then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, this is of the truth, that prophet that should come 
into the world. Because of what Jesus did from the standpoint of feeding these 5,000, now they're saying this prophet. Now that is from the standpoint of Deuteronomy. This is referring back to Deuteronomy, which is said at 1815, The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee of thy brethren like unto me, like unto me being God, okay, unto him ye shall hearken. And so they're going back and saying, hey, maybe this is that prophet that God talked about in the Old Testament. When Jesus therefore received, they would come and take him by force to make him a king. He departed again to a mountain himself alone. Now here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a couple of big idea statements. Big idea statements as we walk through this section of Scripture. So here's your first big idea. Here's your first big idea. Jesus can multiply a sacrifice. Say it with me. Jesus can multiply a sacrifice. Jesus can multiply a sacrifice. Now, here's what I want to help you with that, is that we can't, we want to say, well, Jesus can multiply, that's great, but Jesus multiplied a sacrifice. The lad had to give up his lunch. Think about this. Here's what, here, even though you got all these men around, you got all these disciples, that lad could have been like, hey, this is my lunch, and if you try to take it from me, I'm gone, okay? See, all these kids down here, right here, I know, I know that's why y'all be, right? Like, that's my lunch, you can't have it, all right? I get it, all right? Uh, but, but he didn't do that, right? He was willing to sacrifice his lunch and give it to Jesus. And when he, gave, when he sacrificed something and gave it to Jesus, Jesus then multiplied it. Jesus then multiplied it. Now, that's not, the, that's not the meat of the message. That's just saying, okay, wow, that's really cool. And here's what we could do. We could stop preaching right here and say, look at this. You, if when you sacrifice for Jesus, he can multiply it. But Jesus keeps on going forward. So let's, let's move forward. Uh, verse 16, it says, when, when, even, when Eve was now come... Or night, okay? His disciples went down on the sea and entered into a ship and went over the sea towards Capernaum. And it was now dark, and Jesus was not come to them. And the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. So they rode about five and twenty or thirty furlongs. They see Jesus walking on the sea. By the way, we're not going to preach this this morning, okay? Really good stuff. Drawing nigh unto the ship, and they were afraid. He saith unto them, It is I, be not afraid. Then they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land whither they went. The day following, when the people which stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was none other boat there, save that one whereinto his disciples were entered, and that Jesus went not with his disciples in the boat, and his disciples were gone away alone. So basically we said, we saw the disciples get away, but Jesus was still up over here, and so now there's only one boat gone, but Jesus isn't with them now, so where did he go? Howbeit there came other boats from Tiberias, nigh into the place, which they eat bread after that the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore, look at this, when the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took shipping, okay, and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus, okay? So the same people the day before that got fed, the five, were fed 5,000, all that kind of stuff, now they're coming, they're seeking out Jesus, and they can't find him, so they're going to now take their ships to the place looking for Jesus. Now notice what happens in verse 25. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? So how did you get over here? And the, notice, what, notice what, what Jesus said, okay? Because he doesn't answer specifically where, why, how he got over there and why he was over there. He says in verse 26, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, that word verily, verily, means truly, truly, I say unto you, ye seek me not because, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. 
So basically he was saying, like, look, before you said you saw the miracle, so you thought I was a miracle worker, so you're going to go my way. But now he's saying the only reason why you're following me at this point is because I gave you something to eat. I gave you something to eat. Here's verse 27. Labor not for the meat which perisheth. Okay? So they're going. So basically here's what, how it is. They got fed yesterday, and guess what? They want to be fed again today. Labor not for the meat that which perishes, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life. So now he starts to change it around. Which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Okay? Now some of you are like, well, I know exactly what that is, but they don't understand this right now. They're in their mind going, okay, this means that Jesus is going to feed us forever. Jesus, every day he's going to feed us some, some bread and take care of us. Here's how, here, here's how this works here, okay? Verse 28. Then say they unto him, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? So essentially what they're asking is, okay, what do you require of us, God? What do you require of us, God, to be able to continue to be fed? Like, it, it, uh, okay, you said you can feed us for, from here on out. What does it require of us? What do we have to do? Verse 29, Jesus answered and said unto him, this is the work of God. Okay, so here's, how, here's what it means from the standpoint of that work you have to do, that you believe on him who hath, he, whom he hath sent. See, what they were saying is like, what do we have to do, God? What do we have to do, Jesus, in order to get this bread that you will feed us for the rest of our life? And what Jesus is saying, look, it's not about what you do, it's about your belief. Okay? Now, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but, but let's, let's understand this. So many people still are in the mindset that in order to get to heaven, it's about how many works I can do on earth. And it's not about earning salvation. It's not about earning heaven. It's never been about that. It's about believing in Jesus. That's the work. That's the work. We got to, if we believe in Jesus. Now, notice this. Verse 30, they, they said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What doest thou work? Again, what are they doing? They're trying to get something physical. They're stri- trying to say, okay, look, what, like, it, like, show me a sign. Tell me what I need to do. Like, it can't be as easy as just believe. Hello? Okay? Even though it is just as easy as just believe. Can I get an Amen? Okay, I, I, there's people I've talked to and they're like, I just can't wrap my mind around the fact that you're saying I don't have to do anything to, to, to get to heaven. I just have to believe that Jesus died for my sin, rose again three days later, put my faith and trust in that. That sounds easy, Buchanan. Let me help you with this. It is. It is. It is that simple. It, 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 it is. It, it's, it's, it's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Can I get an amen? All right. Our Father, no, notice this. Verse 31, now, now they're explaining, like, basically, let me, let me explain to you how this is going to work, Jesus. Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Okay, this is pointing to in the wilderness when, when, when manna would fall down from heaven, and then they would eat it, and then it would, you know, burn up in the day, and then the next day it would come back again, and all that kind of stuff. Reading your Old Testament, you, you can learn all that. Verse 32, then Jesus said unto him, verily, verily, that word verily, verily means what? Truly, truly, okay? So here, like, listen up. This is important. This is true. I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven. Okay, because here's, here's what I want to help you with, with all the Jews. The Jews in this time right here, they, they, it was all about Moses. It was all about, it was all about Old Testament figures, 
prophets, all that kind of stuff. And, and so Moses is a, is a central character. So they're saying, look, look what Moses did. Here's, here's how they're doing this. They're saying, Moses did this for us. What are you going to do for us, Jesus? Okay? This is what Moses did. Now what are you going to do? And here's what he, he, he helps them create. But my father giveth you the true bread from heaven. That that manna from heaven didn't come because of Moses. That manna from heaven came from God. Can I get an amen? Okay? Moses was just a man. Used greatly by God, but he was just a man. Look at this, verse 33. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Now he's starting to help them understand what it means when I'm talking about the type of bread he's talking about is not physical bread. It's talking about, about spiritual bread. Verse 34, then they say unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. Like, okay, now, now just give us the bread. Give us the bread, Jesus. Give us the bread, Jesus. Verse 35, here's important. And Jesus said unto him, say it with me. Say it with me. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never, what? Hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never, what? Thirst. He says, wait a second, guys, I don't, I don't think you're really following me. You think I'm going to provide, provide bread for you and, 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 and do it in greater ways? Like, okay, you provided manna for 40 years. Like, how much more are you going to do than Moses? And he's like, no, you don't get it. It's not, about, it's not about physical bread. It's not physical provisions. It's about the fact of what I'm about to give you here. It's about what I'm about to give you here. So here's, 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 our, here's our next statement right here. Here's our next statement. Our focus should not be on what we can get from Jesus. Our focus should not be what we get from Jesus. So many times, and I've had conversations with people. Here's what, what happens is uh, when, when everything's great and wonderful in life, they love Jesus. But as soon as something gets difficult, as soon as something gets hard, as soon as God doesn't answer my prayer, guess what? Who do we get an attitude with? Jesus. But here's the deal. Our focus should not be on what we get from Jesus. What we get, and let me help you with this, what we get from Jesus. I wanted to say only, but when I say that, it should not be only on what we get from Jesus. Here's, a, here's, here's what I want to help you with as we go along, that even if Jesus doesn't give you anything, if he doesn't, if, I'll, I'll, I'll help you with this. If you, don't get, if, you, if you go home today hungry, but you have Jesus, okay, if you go home today hungry, but you have Jesus, you have enough. You have enough, okay? Because we, our focus can't be on, well, 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 Jesus didn't feed me today. But guess what? He, he, the, the fact that, that you receive Jesus is that you won't have to hunger or thirst forevermore. All right, let's keep on going. And I said unto you that ye, ye also have seen me and believed not. All that the Father giveth me, ye shall come to me, and him that cometh to me, I will no wise cast out. For I came not from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I shall not lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have what? Everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Now notice what happens here. Here we go. And the Jews then murmured at him because he said, I'm the bread which came down from heaven. Now, okay, it's one thing, Jesus, if you're going to feed us every single day, all right, and you're going to give us, like you gave us food yesterday, you give us food today. But now, like, uh, I don't know if I like this whole that you're the bread that we're supposed to be having. Verse 42, and they said, it is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, 
whose father and mother we know. Now, now they're starting to question who Jesus really is. Like th- this, this guy, now you know who his, who his mom and dad is. You know, you know where he came from, right? How is it that he saith I come down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not amongst yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which hath, which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. One thing about this that we need to understand, when it comes to salvation, it starts with God. It starts with Holy Spirit conviction. He starts to let us know that we're sinners in need of a Savior, okay? And he's saying that. Verse 45, it is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God, he hath seen the Father. Verily, verily, okay, here we go, that truly, truly again. I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath what? Everlasting life. I am that bread of life. That's the second time he's now told himself, or referred to himself in that way. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is so great. This is so great. This is so great. Because here's the deal. Yeah, he fed them in 40 years there, okay? But, But guess what? Eventually that bread ran out. And let me help you with this. If, if, if you stop eating, eventually you die. Okay? So, so he's trying to say, like, look, you think it's about a physical food that they, in the wilderness, and they're dead. This is the bread. This is the bread that's coming down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and what? Not die. Because when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we go from death to life, life everlasting, eternal life. We are, if, you, if you receive Jesus, you in no way, shape, or form will ever die. Because in Jesus, the bread of life, in Jesus, the bread of life, you can live forevermore. It's not about the physical, it's about the spiritual. What can God do in you, not so much for you? This is the bread that comes down. I am the living bread. Look at this. I'm the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give in my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. Next big statement. Next big statement. Here we go. Next big statement. All right. The person of Jesus is far greater than the provisions of Jesus. The person of Jesus is far greater than the provisions of Jesus. Like he, and and I, I want to. I know we all want to say that we would do this and all kind of stuff. But if it, we've said this before, if God never did one blessed thing for you again, but you have a relationship with Him, it's enough. <laughs> it's enough, right? Okay. The person of Jesus is far greater than the provisions of Jesus. So many times we look for what God can give us, and not so much about who God is. And we just need to, uh, I was talking to somebody the other day, is, is we look and we go, okay, God didn't do this, and God didn't do that, and God didn't do this, and God didn't do that. But whether he does anything or not, he is still worthy of our worship. We got, sometimes instead of, instead of pursuing God's hand, we need to pursue his heart. Right? Okay? Because God, you didn't give it. And here, and, and I'm, I'm not, I don't want to keep saying this, but for whatever reason, we determine our level of obedience to God by what he puts in our hand. But here's, what, here's what's interesting. It, it, we do it this way. What, God, if God, if you put it in my hand, then I'll be obedient with it. But here's what God is saying. No, what, because of what I did in your heart, you'd be obedient with it. Like, you, like, if I'm your Savior and I'm your Lord, let that flow out in obedience, not what you get from me, and then you'll be obedient with. Let's keep going. Verse 32. 
Verse or, so 30, 52, sorry. You're like, oh no, don't go backwards, Buchanan. <laughs> the Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, how can this man give his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto him, verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man. Okay, now it's getting kind of weird. Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you, okay? Whosoever eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. It's getting kind of weird, I know. Like, okay, one thing you were feeding us, and then you talk about you were the bread of life, and you came from heaven, but now you're talking about eating, my, eating your flesh and drinking your blood. You're weird, Jesus. All right, here we go. Verse 56. Verse 56. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by my Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth on this bread shall live forever. These things he said in the synagogues that he taught in Capernaum. Okay? Now, I don't know about you, but, but this is a little bit of a shocking statement. Jesus saying is, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Okay, Jesus, I don't know about this whole thing, all right? This is kind of weird, getting kind of uncomfortable, all right? Now, he didn't, he didn't physically mean for us to, to, to eat his flesh or drink his blood. What's kind of interesting in this, by the way, is we're about to look at something because they start asking questions, and Jesus starts to explain what he's saying, but they didn't want to hear that. So sometimes when Jesus asks us to do something that's a little out of our comfort zone, right, a little out of, a, like, like, Jesus, you want me to do that? Are you sure? What are you doing? Like, this is so counterculture. I don't know Jesus. Like, when Jesus asks us to do something, uh, uh, like, we, we automatically go, no, God. When in reality, if we just do what he told us to do, he'd probably reveal to us why he asked us to do it. He would explain himself. All right, here we go. Next big statement, next big statement. Here we go, only Jesus is enough to satisfy. Only Jesus is enough to satisfy. That, that, that really, when it comes down to it, that, that what he's trying to say is like, like you, you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, because here's what he's wanting to say, is, Jesus is it, only Jesus is enough to satisfy. Because guess what? If you ate breakfast this morning, I bet you're getting hungry for lunch. And if you ate lunch, I bet you're getting hungry for dinner. I didn't eat breakfast this morning. I promise you, I'm going to eat lunch. I promise you, that is going to happen, all right? But here's the deal. Every time we eat a physical food, we always, after a little while, we, we may leave fill from the table, but after we eat, after a little bit of while, we get what? Hungry. We get hungry, Right? So physical food will not sustain us. Physical food will not satisfy us. Let me say it this way. Oh, this is good. What Jesus does for you today is not going to satisfy you. Because guess what? He did something for you today. You're looking for what are you going to do for me, God, tomorrow? Does that make sense? Y'all love this thing. What have you done for me what? Lately. What have you done for me lately, God? Right? And, and, and so we are in a place, let's be honest, of who we are. We, are. we are not easy to satisfy. Because every time God does something, we want, oh, come on. Every time God does something, we want what? More. Here's the thing about appetites. Guess what? Your appetite, you will always desire more. More, give me more, give me more, give me more. And you're, and you're sitting at the table, and you're like, like, where's the next one? I heard if you go on a cruise, you can eat until you die. 
Like, like you physically can eat as much. And I've never been on a cruise. Like, that's one of the reasons why I'm going on a cruise, because I want to be like, nobody can tell me no, I can't eat. Right? Okay? Is that real? Has anybody helped me with that? Been on a cruise? Like, you can basically eat until you die? That seems kind of morbid, okay? You can eat until you're really super full. <laughs> like, somebody says, like, there's an ice cream thing. Like, you can go have ice cream, like, at 7 a.m., 11 a.m., 2 a.m., like, you can do it. Like, I don't know, okay? All right? But, but, but you go on a cruise, you eat all that, and eat all that, and eat all that, and you get up the next morning, you're like, give me some more. And here's the deal. Remember what he talked about? You get Jesus, no more hunger, no more thirst. Jesus is the only one who can satisfy. He's the only one who can satisfy. And, 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 and like we said before, Jesus, only Jesus is enough to satisfy. Only enough to satisfy. Let's keep on going. We're almost done. We're getting close. I know you are counting the verses. Here we go. Verse 60. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is a what? Hard saying. This is a There we go. This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Jesus, what you're saying, this sounds really hard. Like, I, it's one thing, Jesus, if you'll, if you'll take care of me and, and give me some food that I can, I, I know that, like, I, I, you fed me yesterday, feed me again, but now you're talking about this bread of life, now you're talking about this eating, eating your flesh and drinking your blood. This is a hard saying. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, okay, notice this, all right, okay, so it's not, it's not just the multitude, but even the people from the standpoint of disciples, he said to them, doth this offend you? Because let's be honest, sometimes when Jesus makes some strong statements, we get offended. Like, wait a second, Jesus, you want me to do what? Doth this offend you? What and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend? Where he was before. It is the, now, this is really cool. It is the spirit that quickeneth or make alive. The flesh profiteth nothing. So now he's trying to help them see it's not, it's not this physical flesh, this physical blood. It's the spiritual stuff I'm talking about. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are what? Spirit. He wasn't talking about the physical. He was talking about the spiritual. And they are what? Life. That when we take and we, we, we have Jesus and that Jesus is enough that he satisfies us, that to be satisfied spiritually is so much greater than being satisfied physically. Like I want, so many times we, we, uh, we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. It's like, well, I don't see like God's, God don't seem to be t- doing this in this circumstance and situation. All kinds of stuff. It seems like God isn't answering my prayer because here's the deal. God's not trying to work on things outside. He's trying to work on things inside. The issue is not that God is not doing things for you. The issue is with your heart. And that's what Jesus is pointing to. Like, I'm wanting to do something, but you keep on asking for bread, when in reality, I want you to understand that I'm the bread of life, and if you get me, you won't have to worry about that physical bread stuff anymore. But they, look at this, but there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they, who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, therefore, I say unto you that no man, look at this, that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him 
of my father. And notice verse 66, which is very, very interesting from the numbering. John 6, 66. From that time, many, how many? Many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Walked no more with him. I said, you know what, Jesus, when you were, when you were putting something on a plate for us, when, 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 you, were doing, when you were healing people's diseases, when, when you were giving me something to eat, when you kept on talking about this whole, like, like you got this bread that I won't, I won't hunger or thirst anymore and all that kind of stuff, but now that you're talking about spiritual stuff, you're not talking about physical stuff, you know what, Jesus, I don't know if I want to do that anymore. If I can't get something from you, Jesus, I don't know if I really want to follow you anymore. Because if you're telling me that really the only thing I need is you and that you're not going to give me anything else but you, I'm sorry, Jesus, I want a little bit more. And they followed him no more. They followed him no more. Let's give our next statement. Let's give our next statement. It's actually in the form of a question. Will you leave Jesus when things get hard? Will you leave Jesus when things get hard? Because let's be honest. Let's be honest. This is a difficult world we live in. Can I get an amen? It's a difficult world we live in. It's a hard world we live in. And, and so, and so, and here's what's so sad, and, and I know this from the standpoint of a pastor. Tim, you know this too. Tim, you know this too. Okay? When, when tragedy hits, really, there, there's two things that happen. Either they follow closer to God, or they abandon and, and go the other way. And what's sad about the situation is, unfortunately, a lot of people pick run away. When in reality, when in reality, when things are bad, when things are hard, when things are difficult, when tragedy strikes, here's what you got to do. You got to get closer to Jesus. You got to get closer to Jesus. Like, and here's what's really interesting about this because when tragedy hits and when, 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 when it's heartache and pain and all that kind of stuff, and, and think about this from funerals. Think about where funerals and all that kind of stuff, all the time. Well, I don't, I don't know if I want to go to that funeral because I don't know what to say. And here's what people say if you'll go to a funeral and you actually say, they're just glad you were what? There. They were just glad you were there, right? They appreciated, come on now, they appreciated your presence, not what you said. And I'm not trying to be ugly about this, but they're not, they're not focusing on what you said. They're not focusing on the kind of flower you got them, okay? They're not focusing on if they have a little, like, nice little thing. And I'm not saying we don't do those kind of things. That's why not people are, are focused on when it comes to death. They're not focused on that. They're just glad that you're what? There. And here's what it is with Jesus. Here's what it is with Jesus. When tragedy strikes when hurt, when pain, when all kind of stuff, and we have that tendency to run, but when we just lean into Jesus, here's what Jesus says, I'm here for you. And you can say what you want to, but in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of pain, in the midst of hurt, just the fact that Jesus is there is enough. It's enough. Like that's like a peace that passes all understanding. What you start to see is when, it, when tragedy strikes, you don't care what God can do for you. You just care of who he is. That he is love and he is joy and he is peace and he is long-suffering. You love who he is. Like Jesus, I just want to get close to you because even if it, nothing changes, even if, hello, okay, even if nothing changes, I have you, Jesus, and that's what I need right now. When it gets hard, when it gets hard, you don't run away. You lean in. You lean in. 
And you focus on, hey, it's not Jesus, it's not about what you can give me, Lord, because you've given me enough, because you gave me you. That was enough for me. But will, will you leave Jesus when things get hard? Will you leave Jesus when he asks you to step out in faith? Will you leave Jesus when, when, you know what, it seems like I look around and God's blessing everybody else except for me, God. Will you leave Jesus? Now notice what happens, verse 67. Verse 67. They walked away. They walked away. Then verse 67. Last thing and then we'll be done. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? You know what? You've, here, to the disciples, you know what? You've been with me, guys. You've seen it all. You know what's going on. And really, in this, from where we are right now, they really haven't seen much more than what everybody else has seen. They've seen the miracles. They've seen the feeding and all that kind of stuff. And, and so they've been hanging out with him, and, and it's this whole thing of, okay, if those people are willing to leave, maybe the disciples, the twelve, the apostles will do the same. But notice, notice what verse 68, what, what Peter says. Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, 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 to whom shall we what? Go. Thou hast the words of what? Eternal life. Eternal life. And we, look at this, and we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Last statement, and then we'll be done. Last statement, and then we'll be done. Will you stay for Jesus alone? Will you stay for Jesus alone? Because let's just, let's, let's understand this, okay? As much as all this, these multitude of people are following him for physical food, and, and those disciples were right there with him, those 12 disciples, they were right there with him, seeing the whole thing, seeing the whole thing played out. And everything that, for the reasons why those other people left, were the exact same reasons that the 12 disciples could have used as well. But here's what they said. You know what? Guess what? We, and, and what I love about it is that when, when they look at it, it wasn't like, here's how, here's how Peter, this is great. This is how Peter, Peter phrased it. Lord, we don't have another option. Does that make sense? Okay. Like so many times we, 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 we're looking for where's the closest door to get out. Right. Here's what Peter's saying. There's no door. There's no out. There's, we're not trying. Here's, here's what I'm going to help you with. They weren't trying to escape. They were like, look, here's where we are. There's nowhere else we can go. Like, like. We're staying with you, Jesus, because here's what you are. You are the Christ. You are Messiah, and you have the words of eternal life. So will you stay for Jesus alone? Will you stay for Jesus alone? It's not about what he does for you. It's about what he's done in you. And the fact that he saved your soul, like, that's huge. And that's enough. And the fact that he saved your soul, that means you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. That means he's walking with you, talking with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. A relationship with Jesus is enough. A relationship with Jesus is enough. So will you stay for Jesus alone? Let's everybody stand. Let's everybody stand.